0: one pitcher on the way to Edgar Martinez. One on The line doesn't look me for these men. Here comes Joy. Here is Junior's in They're going to leave it. Silent now, as opposed to when the Saints have the ball. Oh, look at this run! What a
1: run! Oh, Lynch! Still oh. on
0: his feet! Has blockers now! He's dancing his way! For the touchdown! Uh-huh.
1: This is The Water Break on 88.9 The Bridge. All the sports knowledge you could ever need. Starting right now. Hello and welcome into the Water Break, the best late-night sports show on 88.9 The Bridge. I am McLean, I've got Creed, and I've got Cy in the studio with me, and we're ready to talk sports. So, uh, we're going to open up, as we always do, with 4 in 4, news from 4 Sports in 4 minutes. Now, why don't y'all tell me, what happened in the sports world this week?
2: Well, I can uh, go with soccer. I don't have much about this week for soccer, but um, in the English Premier League, we have a couple of really good games coming up, Tottenham and Man City. Um, and then we have Liverpool and Leicester Leicester City. Um, Liverpool and Leicester are one in three, and then Tottenham and Man City are second and ten. Um, and so those are both gonna be some really good games, uh, fun to watch, and those are on Sunday morning. Um, and then in the MLS, the Seattle Sounders are second place, right behind Sporting Kansas City with 39 points. Um, both Sporting Kansas City, Seattle Sounders, actually all three, Portland, Seattle Sounders, and Sporting Kansas City, all three have 39 points. Um, but because of the new scoring in the MLS, um, Sporting Kansas City is ahead of the Seattle Sounders in Portland. And then in the Eastern Conference, Philadelphia is leading with Toronto in second place and that's pretty much it for soccer.
0: All right, so there's a lot of basketball news as the draft just happened. So I'm going to run through the top five picks with you guys. Uh, Anthony Edwards went number one to the Timberwolves. James Wiseman went number two to the Golden State Warriors. He's a center. Uh, Lamelo Ball, this one's getting a lot of attention. He went to the Charlotte Hornets. And we can finally see LeVar match up against Jordan. Um, (laughs) Next, we got Patrick Williams. He went number four to the Chicago Bulls. And finally, Isaac Okoro, who went to the Cleveland Cavaliers. And um, yeah, it was a pretty interesting weekend for basketball as well because Clay Thompson suffered a season-ending injury already before the season started. So that was a big bummer for the Warriors but they do have their new rookie James Wiseman who's really going to contribute to the rebounds and maybe learn a lot from Draymond Green and um, the other guys on the team yeah that's about it for basketball
1: Golden State Warriors I can't think of a much better organization to go to to you know learn the ropes at the NBA level that's one of the best organizations you can get drafted into, much rather be drafted into them than any other team picking in the top five. Um, So I guess that means it's my turn to talk. Um, And I'm going to tell you guys uh, news about college football. Um, You know, in Washington State College Football News, uh, the quarterback of the Cougars, uh, Jake DeLora, uh, tested positive for coronavirus, and he's going to miss the game this weekend. Um, and, uh, so it looks like Wazoo will be rolling with, um, a true freshman under center. So definitely interesting for the team that is no longer Mike Leach's. Um, and, uh, UW, uh, look to, uh, keep going with the rotation at quarterback, giving a couple of series to each one of their contributors, um, rather than rolling with one starter all the way, uh, which has not been a formula for success in the past, but I guess this is not really a season that UW is expected to expected to contend for the playoff spot. Really, if a playoff team is going to come out of the um out of the Pac-12, it'll probably be either USC or Oregon. Um now uh, over to Cy for some NFL opinions. Some NFL opinions. Yeah. Oh man, I'm I just want to
0: talk about that Seahawks game yesterday against the Cardinals. Our guys really stepped up. The defense at least played decently. They didn't play very good, but um, I think having our backup cornerbacks basically hold DeAndre Hopkins to 50 yards, that was a big win. And we got three sacks on Kyler Murray, and Carlos Dunlap had that game-sealing sack. And so that really kind of validated our, um, our going after him in free agency. Right, he was and as a trade well
1: acquisition. Yeah, he was a tra- tra-
0: Oh, yeah. Trade acquisition. My bad. Uh, But also, I think um, the offense. Russ got Carlos Hyde back. They got, I think, around 150 yards rushing. And um, that really gave us a boost. And I think that um, we're looking pretty good
1: now. Yeah, the Seahawks offense did uh, rack up, I think the final number was 167 on the ground, but 42 of those came from Russell Wilson scrambling and getting outside of the pocket. And I think, I, I had this thesis, I can't remember if it was this show or one of my other ones, Um, a couple of weeks back, Um, but my thesis was that if you look at Pete Carroll's offenses, even going back to his days at USC, his offenses are exponentially more efficient and his team's win way more games when he's got a very good running back in. Like last season, um you know, when Chris Carson and Rashad Penny uh you know got knocked out of the season late forcing Carroll to turn to the Travis Homer, Marshawn Lynch, Christian Michael um tandem, you know, um uh, the Hawks started losing games and really only could beat um really bad teams down the stretch, you know, the Panthers and the Eagles were the Seahawks only two wins after week 11 last season, um, week 12, pardon me. And, uh, you know, uh, going back farther to like, uh, Wilson's rookie year, running backs were never a problem, uh, in Wilson's rookie year and the two before it, uh, when Marshawn Lynch was on the team, uh, when he was healthy, but the year that he missed time, the team... Notably underperformed, even though Thomas Rawls filled in great. And of course, 2017, Russell Wilson's only time missing the playoffs. Uh, Carroll was going with a running back tandem of, I think, Eddie Lacy, Thomas Rawls, and I believe Mike Davis factored in some. Um, point is, it was not a running back rotation that won games. But if you look at Carroll's numbers when he's got like uh, a running back who's like capable of being a franchise guy. Um, versus when he's you know got a practice squad or third stringer in there, it's night and day how his teams perform. Even going back to USC, when he had Reggie Bush, he could always win. Uh, but without Bush, he was you know a mediocre at best football coach. I don't remember if it was this show that I said that thesis, but inserting Carlos Hyde into the lineup and then watching uh, the offense, you know, hum efficiently really vindicated my theory. Uh, you guys care to comment?
0: I mean, yeah. I think the, Seahaw- <laughs> the Seahawks are, they they have been up until this year, they've always been a running team. And so I think Russell is just more comfortable um, with a good run game to support his passing. He doesn't feel like he has to do everything. But I kind of want to talk about those uh, drops that DK Metcalf had. I mean, I don't think it... Uh, it wouldn't have lost the game for us, obviously, but I feel like um, he's got to maybe tighten up and maybe focus a little harder because I think he just wasn't getting a lot of like targets in the past couple games. And so when the ball came to him, I don't think he was ready as much. But he did have that one touchdown, which is nice.
1: Metcalf had, think? Uh, I think he had. Um, this was one of his lesser uh, performances of the season, but that's not saying much. Metcalf has had a phenomenal season, and he's been able to put a, uh, to put behind him a lot of the issues with uh, dropping the ball and uh, you know running backwards instead of breaking tackles. He was able to put that kind of leave it in the rearview mirror after his rookie year. Um, but, you know, tonight showed that, once again, this is a very young player we're dealing with. He did have, you know, those couple of drops, most notably the one in the end zone right before halftime uh, where the ball bounced off his face mask. But, I mean, uh, uh, Wilson delivered him good balls and he was able to catch... Uh, almost everything thrown his way, save for those two passes. And he was able to get the better of Patrick Peterson, who's still a great cover guy a few times. We all forgot uh, because of the holding penalty uh, that occurred on that same play. But he had a 42-yard uh, you know, deep strike where he just you know, routed up Peterson on a little double move near the line of scrimmage, um, something similar to a sluggo route, but not exactly that. Um, and he's, the play got negated, uh, by the penalty on, uh, the center, who I believe was Damian Lewis, uh, you know, starting at center for the first time. So it's, you know, Metcalf could have had a worse night, could have had a better night. I, uh, I think he's definitely a guy who deserves to get talked about more on this show. Creed, what do you think about the game?
2: Uh, the Seahawks game? Yeah, that one. Yeah, I didn't. I you didn't don't watch actually it. Actually, end up watching that one because I was in the middle of my uh, freak out. I mean, yeah, freak out class. All right, Creed's I mean, so student. I didn't get to watch much, much, but um, I did catch the very end of the game, and I thought it was really interesting. Um, Kyler Murray had a chance, you know, that fourth down, um, and they just sacked. I mean, that was a great sack, and I hate to say it, but it was a great sack. Um, but yeah, it was a good game from what I saw. So,
1: Yeah, Carlos Dunlap has really woken up the Seattle Seahawks defense. I, um, I said before the season that they should have gone after Everson Griffin, um, reunite him with Pete Carroll uh, since the two played together at USC. Uh, obviously that didn't happen, but uh, they got somebody who was just as good, if not better, in Dunlap, who's had three and a half sacks with the Seahawks in only three games, uh, including uh, one and a half sacks tonight. So, or last night on a uh, on, on on Thursday, my pardon.
2: Um, I want to hear you guys' opinions on the Bears Vikings game. Um, it was Kirk Cousins' first Monday Night Football win. He is one in nine, so a tenth times the charm for him.
1: Three of those losses came against the Seattle Seahawks. By the way, fun
2: fact. Yeah, I don't want to remember that. Um, <laughs> um, and I I thought it was a great game. I mean, Adam Thielen, um. You know, missed that ball, and it led to a interception, um, from Khalil Mack, and then there was a fumble early in the game, um, that the Vikings had. So the Bears had a couple of their chances, but the Vikings were able to stop them pretty well, I think, overall.
1: Y'all also let Cordero Patterson uh
2: take the ball 104 yards to the house. Yeah, that was uh, unlucky. There, I I would, you know. There's things that I'd like to say that maybe the refs should have seen, but that, you know, what's done is done. I think what the Bears and Vikings game showed us
1: is that only one team is going to come out of the NFC North and go to the playoffs, and it will not be the Bears or the Vikings. You know, I mean, the Vikings, you can't hold a team to 149 yards of offense and have it be that close. If you're a contending team and your defense delivers a performance that's that dominant, I don't care if your quarterback has never won on Monday Night Football before. It should be a blowout if you keep them to 150 yards of offense. And the Bears? You have to gain more than 150 yards of offense. I don't care that David Montgomery is out. If you're a contending football team... I don't care how good your defense is. You have to get more than hundred
2: 150 yards of offense, whatever it was. Yeah. I mean, if you think about it, the Vikings held the Bears to three points, <laughs> excluding that uh, return. Because um, I was like, you know, there's nothing you can do about that, really. You could but play good special teams. I know. Uh, Mike Zimmer got pretty upset after that one. But, you know, holding... a team to three points and then your offense not doing so well yeah i can see what you're talking about where it should be more of a blowout but i mean i'm still happy that the vikings kept the bears under 10 points total which is something that's you know not that easy to do
1: yeah the lions are the second best team in the nfc north and it's not close
2: wait i'm pretty sure the lions are
1: the Lions are the second... Matthew Stafford alone makes the Lions the second best team in the NFC North, and it is not close. DeAndre well, Swift has... The Lions has, are 4-5. Yeah, and so are the Vikings, and the Bears are 5-4. and 5-5. Um, five five. Bears are 5-5. Five five. Oh, yeah. Five. Yeah, because yeah, they haven't they had a haven't bye. Had their bye week yet. Um, but there are five win. My point is you know, the Lions and their four wins have been infinitely more valuable than the Bears and their five wins. I mean, the Lions have kept, they, uh, they've been in every game. Uh, I can't think of any that they've lost by two scores. Um, except for maybe that, well, no, yeah, they've been in every game. Um, you know, Matthew Stafford has played, maybe not, at the MVP level, but he's definitely been a franchise guy. And DeAndre Swift has, you know, brought life into that offense that, you know, was really looking dead in the water without Kenny Galladay last season. Uh, Now this season, they've been able to flourish without Kenny Galladay. Um,
2: Just so you know, the Lions lost in Week 2 by 21 points to the Packers.
1: Yeah, well, that's because the Packers are a contending team.
2: Yeah, and then um, pretty much every other game... Oh, they also lost by 20 points to the Colts and they lost by 14 points to the Vikings. And then every game that the Lions have won, um, except for against the Jaguars, was by under, like, by a field goal amount, basically.
1: Yeah, yeah, I mean the lines have been uh, the lines have been close, but I liked what I saw from them last Sunday. I liked I I liked uh, you know, Prater hitting that long field goal to to yeah, win the game. I mean, they did allow, you know, Alex Smith to come off the bench and throw for 390 on them, but Matthew Stafford still did enough to win and he, you know, really made the offense move against one of, you know, the football team actually had one of the better defenses in the league this year to absolutely everyone's surprise
0: (laughs) yeah and i think in the nfc north the bears vikings and lions they're all basically competing for a wild card spot because you already know who's going to win the division aaron Rodgers is not gonna lose it i don't
1: think sure i mean the nfc north might be mr rogers neighborhood for for the time being but i think that you know uh should the packers like Get suspend should the entire Packers organization like get removed from the NFL next season? I think the Lions would be the best team in the NFC North, and I don't think it would be close really. They played a much better football game the last we saw of them than either the Bears or Vikings did. You know, the Vikings had some costly sloppy mistakes that contendings that contending teams don't make. And you know, the Bears were just. You know, looked like one of the worst offenses in NFL history.
2: Yeah, um, I mean, I do think part of it is the Vikings. I mean, they're finally starting to get back into a somewhat of a groove. They've won their last three games against some pretty good teams. I mean, who've they beaten? They've beat the Lions, the Packers, and then the Bears. And you're saying the Lions are, you know, somewhat good. Yeah,
1: I mean, Minnesota has also been, you know, pretty lucky. They got uh Dalvin Cook back from injury
2: really fast. Yeah, I mean, he's kind of holding our team together. But then we still have, you know, the offense like Adam Thiel and Justin Jefferson are some really good players that, you know, they've been able to do really well when, you know, they're getting receptions, so. Sure, Justin
1: Jefferson has been able to, um, you know, contribute to that team quickly, but I think the Vikings are a team right now that's in quarterback purgatory, you know? Kirk Cousins isn't really good enough that he's, you know, looking like the guy, capital G, in Minnesota, but he's also not bad enough to justify the Vikings just outright cutting him and moving on, you know? they Kirk Cousins can't take this team far, he's never taken any team far, um... People thought he was good uh, with Washington because he was the only bright spot there. Um, But truth be told, they didn't function any worse uh, without Cousins when they had, you know, Case Keenum, Alex Smith, Colt McCoy, that that carousel the season after. (laughs) I'm not really going to argue with
2: all that. I mean, I do think there are quite a few things that, you know, I don't think Kurt Cousins is the greatest, you know, quarterback out there but I think he's probably a little underrated. I
1: don't think he's underrated at all. I think he's a poor quarterback who makes poor decisions and, you know, performs poorly. I mean, throwing that pick to Khalil Mack, good quarterbacks don't do that. You could argue maybe Thielen should have grabbed it, but like...
2: I mean, it was a pretty easy grab for Thielen to make,
1: so... Yeah, but sure. You know, it's not just that. It's forcing throws deep, um, you know, fumbling the ball. He's had some issues fumbling the ball. Um... I think well, Minnesota should be in the hunt for a quarterback.
0: I, I think my two cents on it are that like, at times he's been able to produce like a decent amount, but right now he's just not having a good season. I think that's what I would have to say about it. Maybe, I don't know, he might have a bounce-back season next
1: year. We never know, but right now he's not looking very good. Well, sure. I mean, well, remember, um, you know, t- Kirk Cousins was brought to Minnesota to go chase a ring. He was trying to go and get, you know, in onto the best roster in the league, a team that had just carried, you know, Case Keenum and Sam Bradford, you know, Sam Bradford for two games and Keenum for 14, that had just gotten those two quarterbacks to combine for 13 wins and knocking off the Saints in the playoffs. You know, you get 13 wins in a playoff bye with Case Keenum, you, you better be able to win a ring with the next franchise quarterback, right? Yeah, right? Because I mean, there were no other significant losses. I mean, everyone got a year older from 2017 to 18, but, like, you know, most of the team stayed there. They put Dalvin Cook back into the lineup. On paper, the team in 2018 was better, except for some reason, you know, Kirk Cousins just couldn't get it done. I... Again, well, I some quarterbacks in this league are winners. Some guys, you know, just always manage to gut out wins despite being bad quarterbacks themselves.
0: Yeah. And Kirk I, I Cousins think,
1: the opposite of that.
0: Yeah, I think in this situation though, it isn't as much the roster. I bet it's because Stefanski left. He went to the he went to the Browns, right? Kevin Stefanski. So, I don't know. He There's did probably leave. a new system in there. So this is Kirk Cousins' new year with a new system so like he worked hard last year and the year before to I guess learn the viking system but now he just has like a new offense that he's got to go out and learn yeah, so I think that might also contribute to his poor play
1: Stefanski did um you know pack it up and uh, head I guess across Lake Erie to Cleveland um but like I don't really think the um the shift uh you know, hurt Cousins all that much. The offense didn't really change. Uh, Mike Zimmer has always, you know, had his feet dipped in that pool. Even when Stefanski was there, Zimmer still had, um, you know, a, a lot of involvement in how the offense was run. You know, Cousins is just doing poorly. There's really no two ways about it. He's the only variable in this equation. Well,
2: and he's, I he's not say only, but, you know, he's probably the big
1: as as isolated as a player can be in football, we've gotten the best look at Kirk Cousins. We've seen him in pretty much every situation you can put him in. We've seen him in a run-first offense. We've seen him in a vertical offense. We've seen him try and run the West Coast and try and even run the option for about a season uh, in Washington. But, you know, I, Kirk Cousins just hasn't been able to get, get it done. I think his best season is 10 wins, and even that was a six seed. He's... um. He's won one playoff game by uh, walking it off on a pass interference to uh, Kyle Rudolph in the Saints. Um, I just... I I don't think the guy is the answer. I think Minnesota should probably keep looking. Um, you know, and I think the way they should look is maybe go and trade for Sam Darnold. If the Jets really do get the number one pick, they'd be stupid not to go and take Trevor Lawrence. But, like... Yeah, that that means they have to ship away Sam Bradford, and I think Minnesota is a great place for them to do that. All right, you, you tell me if this trade makes sense, um, Creed. You're 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 closer to the situation in Minnesota than I am. Um, I think uh, so. You just trade Kirk Cousins for Sam Darnold straight up. Minnesota throws in a third round pick. That way you dump his salary. Um, Cousins gets uh, you know, a chance to revive his career in New York. He gets a third chance. Um the Jets don't have to throw Trevor Lawrence into the fire, right? He gets a year to learn behind Cousins, just like um, you know, other quarterbacks, most notably Patrick Mahomes got a year to learn behind Alex Smith. And uh Tua was supposed to get a year to learn behind Ryan Fitzpatrick, but I guess they just decided six games was enough. Um but yeah, uh
2: you know does that trade make sense um yeah i mean i can see that you know darnold has been telling everyone he's unhappy with the jets
1: which is completely understandable
2: (laughs) i mean yeah i guess i could see that i don't know i just feel like that would be you know you never really know until it happens right so yeah i get that
0: yeah Um, Do you guys want to switch gears back to looking at the rest of the Seahawks schedule? Because I think we have the easiest schedule in the NFL for the remaining part of the season. (laughs) We're basically just playing the NFC East. And after that, we're going (laughs) to play the Niners and the Rams. And that's over.
1: There is one game left in the Seattle schedule where their opponent has five wins. And that's week 17 against the Rams. And by then, probably all of the playoff seating will have been decided. You know? LA's got a tough schedule. Um, They've got to play against Tampa. They've got to play the Patriots in a Super Bowl rematch. And I think they still have the cards twice. So, yeah, it uh should be interesting. Yeah. Um, if the Rams can continue to find success, um, I'll be ready to believe in Sean McVay as one of the greatest coaches of all time.
0: Yeah, uh, I'm pretty sure. Well, I'm pretty sure that um, the Seahawks are going to win the division. I can just see it. But. Yeah. Um,
1: I think, um, I think it'll all be over but the shouting by the time that uh, the NFL reaches Week 17, assuming that coronavirus doesn't shut down the league by then. Gotta make that clear. Um, the, the NFC West should be all over but the shouting by Week 17.
0: Yeah, well, I also feel like the Rams could beat the Patriots. The Patriots aren't looking too good right now. Like, uh, not gonna lie, I mean...
1: I mean, don't look now, but they won their last two games. One of those was against the Ravens, so... Yeah,
2: but one of them was against the Jets. Yeah, but one <laughs> of them, know.
1: but one of them was against the Ravens. So
2: kind of helped the Raven. I mean, the Patriots out on that last drive that the Ravens had.
1: Was the rain bailed them out? Yeah, I guess. But you know, it's so the rain bailed them out. They were still hanging it in really close with the Ravens, who are like a year removed from being yeah. the you know most efficient running offense in NFL history. And the Pats were still able to slow them down. I mean, rain or no rain, again, there are no excuses when you're a contending football. Eh, there is one excuse when you're a contending football team, and that is injuries. If, um, if you're a contending football team, the uh, 53 healthy guys that you've got better be able to perform in any situation. If you're a professional athlete, you know, Mother Nature deciding that, you know, rain is the move for tonight shouldn't, like, derail your title season.
0: Yeah, that's for sure. But also, I mean, if you just look back at some of the Patriots losses this year, they lost to the Niners 33 to six, like a couple weeks ago, they lost to the Broncos. Um, But yeah, they've also had a couple impressive wins, like they beat the Raiders at the beginning of the season. And uh, I mean, other than that, and we're inches the away Ravens. from
1: beating the Seahawks in, in Seattle. So yeah, I don't, I don't know. I don't know. I personally, I feel like the Patriots, um, the Patriots of this year were like the Matthew Stafford lions last year. You know, they could beat anybody and lose to anybody. Yeah.
0: yeah it's really 50, 50 with those. I guys. think,
1: I think if the Patriots matched up against the 72 Miami dolphins, I think they'd win, uh, three games out of any five. Mm-hmm. Um so yeah, I uh the Patriots are definitely a wild card to watch uh down the stretch. They could, you know, trip up a contender, um like they did with the Ravens. Um So I think this about uh wraps it up for us. Uh mm-hmm. thank you guys for listening to The Water Break, the best late night sports show on eighty eight nine the bridge. Um I guess if you get one thing from this show, it should be that uh, Creed loves the Vikings a lot.
2: And and that we might have a chance to make it to the playoffs, even if it's very slim. Minnesota isn't
1: going to the playoffs. I'm sorry, Creed. Oh, okay.
2: Their season's over. Hey, I, mean, it's kinda... I bet
0: they're going to like miss a field goal or something.
1: They always seem to do that. All right. Anyway, uh, thank you guys for listening to The Water Break. Uh, keep listening on eight nine The Bridge for more a uh, music and conversation that, has, that spans generations. And if you're just getting off work on this Friday night, have a great weekend.